you are listening to the Entrust Podcast. This weekly course seeks to provide theological training within a ministry setting so you can take what you learn and share it with others. Check out more resources at rockycreek.church. For now, here is this week's episode. Well, hey, uh, my name is Taylor Wolf. I'm going to be with you guys tonight. It's a pleasure. Uh, to be with you. Uh, it's been a long week, so my voice is a little bit gone. Uh, probably not as bad as Travis's. Uh, Travis just preached the five o'clock service with no sound. Uh, and so sound, sound went out, and uh, so the band was singing a cappella, and uh, Travis just screamed that entire sermon, which for him is great. He, he screams into the mic. We have to turn down a little bit anyway. Um, but tonight we're going to be talking about uh, mobilizing the local church. Uh, and before we dive in, let's just uh, lift up uh, a prayer to God. Father, we just come to you tonight as humble brothers and sisters in Christ, seeking to learn more about you and your church. Father, this is the instrument that you've orchestrated for your work to advance, and we're just a part of it. Lord, we represent a small C church, but Lord, we're looking to talk about the big C church as well. God, what you're doing in places that we've never been and we probably will never go, places where we don't even know churches exist, your church, the big C church, is there. And so, Father, tonight as we talk about mobilizing the local church, would you just humble our hearts in such a way that we would seek to honor you and bring glory to your name um, in our lives as we go and we make disciples here, there, and everywhere. So, Father, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. So, uh, like I said, t- tonight we're going to be talking about mobilizing the local church. And when I think about mobilizing the local church, there's really not a place that I would really want to talk about that except w- before looking at the, the book of Acts. And so if you have your Bibles, I hope you do, turn to the book of Acts. We're going to sort of do a, an overview of what the local church looked like in its earliest days, in its purest form. Um, and so... You know, as, 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 we, as we have this idea of what mobilizing the local church really is about, sometimes we can think, or coming to a class like this, on a subject like this, we might think we're going to come away with some practical, this is what we're going to do, right? And, and maybe it's an event like a Go Greenville. So for the last five days, as you've heard, we've had 400 people participating in over 40 events from four churches. And that, that would fall into the category of mobilization, right? That's, that's Christians going on mission with a purpose. And what is that purpose? It's to love, to teach, to equip, to serve our community, people we don't know, maybe people we do know, people in our church, people outside our church, whatever it is. That would fall within the category of mobilization. But I don't want us to to be limited to the idea of going. Now, clearly, mobilization is about going, and it's it's the action verb, really at the heartbeat of it, is to go. But I think there's an underlying part of it that, that we oftentimes just overlook. And that is that while each individual Christian must take personal responsibility for kingdom activity, the Great Commission is not to be accomplished alone. Missions mobilization should be ingrained in the DNA of each healthy local church. So when you're looking at a church, you're potentially looking to join a church. Maybe, uh, maybe you're looking to, to move to a different city. This would be something that I would say is pivotal that you would want to know about that church before you enter into a covenant with them. What do they do in terms of missions? What is their mobilization plan? What is their strategy? Is it ingrained in their DNA? So as we look at the, the book of Acts, uh, we're going to do sort of an overview of that. But I want you to keep that fresh in your mind as we, as we look at Acts. 
And so in Acts 1, we're, we're going to go through 28 chapters of Acts right now. In Acts 1, think about this. Jesus has ascended, and in the ascension, uh, this final testament is given of a promise when he would come back, right? We get this uh, in, in Acts 1, uh, right around verse 6. Uh, we get to verse 11. He says, look, this Jesus who was taken up from you uh, into heaven will come in the same way as you will see him into heaven. So this is already casting vision for a time when he would come back. The story keeps going. Knowing that not only as they shift uh, into chapter 2, they're remembering the words of, of Acts 1.8 when he said to do what? But you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witness in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So the mission is happening and they're understanding what they're supposed to be doing. But how do they do it? They come together in, inspired by the Holy Spirit and they start to take care of one another. They start to focus in on the community. So there's this community aspect that comes into, uh, into chapter 2. Uh, they're, they're coming together, and we get to, to chapter 2, verse 42, and let's hear these words from Acts. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Listen to that. They're, they're listening. They're, they're dedicated to it. And they're fellowshipping, and they're breaking bread, and, the, and they're having these prayers together. And all came upon them, every soul, and many wonders and signs were done upon uh, were done through the apostles and all who believed were together and all things in common and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need and day to day attempting the temp, uh, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes they received their food with glad and generous hearts praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were, were being saved. So as they came together and as they took care of each other, the mobilization was happening, but they were also seeing people coming into the flock. It's this idea that while we're still caring for those within, we're also reaching out. Mobilization was a part of the early church in Acts, but it doesn't stop there. We go into chapter 3 and we see how this, this man is being, being healed and we see uh, the arrest of Peter and John. It keeps going into chapter 4, the community life aspect. It just, it just keeps be, being breathed into the book of Acts. So we get to uh, a place like uh, verse 23 of, of chapter 4 when it says, When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them who through the mouth of your father your servant said by the holy spirit why did the gentiles rage and the people plot in vain keeps going down and they they petition to god they raise their hands to god they keep going into chapter five as the church is coming together they're starting to receive this persecution as they're growing in christ and they're growing as a church as they're growing a community the opposition comes We've heard about this in Exodus. We heard about this in Nehemiah, that as the, the, as the mission is advancing, opposition is coming. And so we get into chapter 5 where we see this. This persecution is happening. When we get into chapter 6, we see how well, there was a need that needed to be met. And so they came together. They, they meet that need. They, they designate who's going to lead that, uh, that mission. And they designate seven people that are going to do it. There's a need to meet the widows, and they meet that. But it doesn't stop there. They get to, to later on in, in chapter 6, we see Stephen. He, he is proclaiming truth, yet he finds himself at the end of the opposition. He finds himself at the end of persecution. He is martyred for the sake of the gospel. And you would think, if I'm a part of the early church, that's probably the end of it. If I see someone proclaim the gospel 
and it ends up that they lose their life, why would I want to do that? Mobilization, movement, going. We see this in the book of Acts. Yes, it's fast, and yes, we're going through this, but I want to point out things like this, where there's these big moments, like when Saul comes on the scene in chapter 8, this guy who was persecuting directly the early church, not only persecuting, but putting them into prison. He was taking them, and he was... He was um, He was doing terrible things, ravaging the church is what it says in chapter 8, verse 3. But Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. But hear this in verse 4. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Mobilization didn't stop in the face of persecution. Mobilization didn't stop in the face of opposition. They just kept going. It says in verse 5, Philip went down to the city of Samaria and he did what? He proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention. Franklin spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of them. And there was much joy in that city. Pretty incredible stuff in the face of opposition. But mobilization doesn't stop there. As the story keeps going, there's this Surprise conversion of this man named Saul. The guy who was the persecutor becomes the guy who's received all the grace in the world. He's the one that in many ways people would think, surely you would save anybody but Saul. Yet, that's exactly what happened. The church keeps advancing. They get to this place uh, where we see miracles happening. As they're coming together and the advance of the gospel is going out, we see miracles happening with uh, at Lydda and Joppa, we see um, Peter and Cornelius we, taking the gospel to the Gentiles. We see the church at Antioch being sprung forward. We see the persecution in Jerusalem. Yet the mission doesn't stop. We get to a place like chapter 13 where Paul is taking his first missionary journey. This man who a few chapters before was annihilating the early church was taking the gospel to plant another church. This is the book of Acts. This is the book that if I was writing it, I don't see this coming yet. God did and he does. And so as they go, there's some issues, there's some challenges amongst themselves, yet they they work through that for the advance of the gospel. They overcome things for the advance of the church. There's a second trip. There's a, there's a third trip. They end up in Jerusalem and there's an arrest. You get to chapter 21. You start to see how things are coming together, yet the gospel doesn't stop. As Paul goes to Jerusalem, he knows what's going to happen. As he, as he heads for Rome, he knows what's going to happen. And yet he keeps going forward. And as he finds himself there, he does one thing and one thing only, and that is to preach the gospel. Mobilization has been a part of the methodology that God has been using since the foundation of the church in the book of Acts. So on the hills of the cross, the church is sprung forward. It is, it is moving forward ever since that day. You see, the early church understood the need to care for their own while not losing sight of the mission at hand. They understood that the mission of God, sorry, here it is, the mission of God was going to go forward whether they were paying attention or not, yet God was using them. 
And so as they came together, they did care for one another, yet they were focused on the advance of the gospel. And so today in 2023, you might be wondering, okay, what do I do with that? 28 chapters of Acts, now what? Well, Acts 29, Acts 30, Acts 31, those are the days that we're living in. Acts 2023, if you want to put it that way, we're the continuation of the early church. You know, we talked this morning in in the book of Exodus about this genealogy. And if you trace the genealogy of any church, it's going to lead back to the church that was founded with these early believers in the book of Acts. You think about that. You think about how God has sustained and he has fortified his church in so many ways. Yet there are so many local churches that, as I said earlier, don't have the DNA within their church. They don't have this desire to move forward. And so a a local church without a desire to mobilize its members is nothing more than religious country club. It's just religious folk getting together, saying the right things. There's a difference when there's a mission and there's a purpose. There's a difference when there's, there's action being taken. There's a difference when they understand what God's heart is and they are actively putting their hand to the plow. You see, from the overflow of the local church, the nations will hear about God. Just like in Luke chapter 6, verse 45, it says, For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The church moves forward out of the abundance of its heart and understanding God's heart. You see, mobilization happens best when it aligns not with what we want to do and what fits our agenda, but when it aligns with what God's mission is. As we've talked about that from the beginning, we've looked at what God's mission is and and the different pieces of that during this course. You you think about it and you can sort of shrink it down to the overall story being that there's this creation, there's this fall, there's rescue, and there's restoration. That's the story that we see between Genesis and Revelation. It's the big overarching thing that we want to talk about on a regular basis. It's this idea that God is moving and we're just trying to join him where he is going. And so what I want us to do tonight in, in, in light of the, the early church and what they did in the book of Acts is that I want us to look at what are some critical pieces of the puzzle that must be present for mobilization to happen. You want to mobilize? Some people would say, well, just tell me what to do. Now, if you want to mobilize, you really have to understand the bigger thing that's happening. Because doing is one thing, but understanding how you're playing a piece of the bigger, bigger story that God is unraveling in front of us, well, that's far greater to be a part of. And so the first, the first thing that we're going to look at are, some, are, are, the, are these missions convictions. The first one we're going to look at is prayer. You might be thinking, okay, Taylor, what are we going to talk about here? Prayer, I know how to do that. Bow my head. Talk to God. I get it. But when we talk about missions mobilization, why is this a piece of the puzzle? Well, for me, I believe that both corporate and private prayer should be driven by a desire to intercede on behalf of the lost, the messengers, the church, and for our own personal holiness. Surprisingly, prayer has purpose to it. We want to be purposeful when we talk to the Father. We want to be praying in such a way that, that he, we are aligning with him. We think of Matthew chapter 6, where God said, or Jesus says, pray like this, right? These are the elements that he says in this text. He says, 
that, that your name is the most holy of names, that your kingdom should come and that your will would be done. God, that you would forgive us and you would also lead us. These are the elements of the prayer in Matthew chapter 6. Yet some of us are terrified to pray this when it comes to missions mobilization because we're just scared about what God might call us to do. What if he calls us to the other side of the world? Well, that's not your will be done, God. I'm not going because that's not, that's not aligning with my will. And it's easy for us to go, man, that, that hits. But some of y'all have been praying, God, don't take me to the mission field. God, don't use me. I'm not ready. I'm Moses and I got a broken mouth. Some of you got a lot of excuses instead of saying, what is your will, God? And I'm ready to do it. It doesn't matter my age. It doesn't matter my skill set. It doesn't matter my ability. I am praying that God would use me in such a way that I am actively making war against the enemy. Get that. Making war. In the book of Ephesians, we pick up with this, Paul writes about this, this, this war theme of going to battle and being prepared for the war that is happening between the kingdom of darkness and the, and the kingdom of, of, of light. If you're not ready for the war, you're in it no matter what, but you're just going to be gobbled up. So if you're not praying to make war, then you're missing out on being a part and aligning yourself with an opportunity to be very much a piece of the puzzle for missions mobilization. We, we don't stop there in terms of how do we make war. Prayer fuels mission. It's because mission is God's mission. We are simply asking him to do what he wants to do, but through us. We're just wanting to be a piece of the story. We're just asking God, give us the opportunity. God, use us in some way. God, Put a lady on the side of the road that I have to slow down and put her in the car so I can have a conversation with her. These are the stories that we're hearing. We're praying for those opportunities, but when they come, are we prepared for them? Are we praying for the 3.37 billion people who live in an unreached people group? Are we praying for the 8 billion people that live on this planet? Because if you're not praying for them, you're missing out on the most vital foundational piece of missions mobilization. While strategy is important, prayer is foundational to missions. <coughs> Guys, get this. We can have the best strategy. We can have the best coaches telling us, if you go here and you do this, this will happen. We can look to prescribe missions as best as we can, yet we will always fall, fall short because we are not God. We don't know where the Spirit is working and where the Spirit is not working. And if we're not interceding on behalf of the messengers, the church, the lost, then how will we ever know where to go and where not to go? God is our coach. We're just the players. And if prayer is foundational, then strategy will advance. It doesn't stop there. We move to this important piece of people. Surprise that mobilization involves people and people are difficult, right? People are people are challenging in many ways. It's one of the most challenging pieces to mobilization is this part right here. How do we interact with people? How do we converse with people? How do we embrace people where they are? 
We have, we have to remember this, that all people are created in the image of God and are worthy of, sorry, both, yeah, all people are created in the image of God and are worthy of love and compassion no matter the circumstance. There's no excuse for overlooking someone in an attempt to get to the next place, right? There's no reason that we would say, I'll share the gospel with anybody but not Saul. There's no reason that God would choose to save Saul, yet he did, because he's gracious. He extends that grace, and he calls us to extend the same grace in our, in our reach to people. We must care for the lost, the sick. We must seek to end injustice. We must care for the orphan. We must care for the widow. We cannot look at ethnicity or background or educational or experiences as a requisite for who we will engage with and who we will not. People matter. And if we're a church that proclaims that people matter, then we must be committed that from the womb to the tomb, we must love, care, reach, teach, encourage, send, and serve our neighbor as ourselves. If I'm just honest with you, this is, this is, this is hard. This is incredibly difficult. When I wrote this, I thought, how? How, how do we do this? We're, we're all about going. We're all about reaching. But, but how do we love well? How do we care well? How do we reach and teach and encourage and send and serve our neighbor as ourselves? I think that God's word equips us in such a way. I think that, that as we're going to talk about here in just a second, we're going to look at, at, at the practical ways of doing this. But I think we have to understand that if God has created somebody, they are worthy of love and care. And we must be the instrument that God uses to take that to them. This is where we think about the great commandment, love God and love others as yourself, right? The, greatest, the second greatest commandment is to love others as yourself. And the idea is that if the great commandment meets the great commission, this is where it intersects. People. People matter. And we must have a plan to in, embrace them in our mobilization strategy. The next piece is this. Proclaim or proclamation. This is the piece that we often think about when we talk about mobilization or going with the gospel. We're going to go as the mouthpiece of the good news. You see, followers of Jesus are called to proclaim the good news at all times. Yeah, but I was just in a hurry in the grocery store. I didn't have time. My schedule's packed. I don't have time. Us coming back to America from, from living for the last nine years in Africa, this has been the most challenging thing about the transition. It's time. We've, we've conditioned ourselves to schedule out every single thing in our, in our day, every single thing in our week, every single thing in our month, every single thing in our year. We already have it booked out. We got time for everything but the Holy Spirit to act. We got time to, to squeeze in one more meeting. But the idea that I would be in a coffee shop working on something and someone would inter just interrupt me in such a way that I might need to share the gospel with them is super inconvenient, right? No. We have to find ways as followers of Jesus to proclaim the good news at all times. That's what the early church did. 
That's what we must do as well. You see, the local church must preach, train, equip, and mobilize people to share the gospel in their homes, schools, workplaces, and beyond. So, so why is preaching a part of mobilization? I think we take it for granted all too often, the idea that one person stands in front of a congregation or a group of believers and, and preaches God's Word on a Sunday morning. We just take that for granted. That's, that's how church is supposed to work, right? Well, if we're not careful and we're not ensuring that instilled in our DNA or ingrained in our DNA is this insistence on mobilization, then we can get to a place where we're all about head smarts and Bible knowledge and we have no ability to, to, to actually go. If, if it's not being proclaimed from the pulpit, the necessity to reach, the necessity to teach, the necessity to love and care and evangelize, then we've fallen short. You see, the commandment, like I said, where the great commandment and the great commission meet, in my opinion, is beautiful for the pulpit to be the place where that is proclaimed on a regular basis. We are to love our neighbor. We are also, in loving them, we are to communicate the gospel to them at all times. We train people. But before we get to training people, we equip them. I put these in the wrong order. Because I believe that we equip people on a regular basis in such a way that they're building their toolboxes and oftentimes they don't even know it. Think about the times where you've sat around a table at this church and you've talked about God's Word. You probably came away with some piece of knowledge that you didn't have before. Or maybe you're sitting in this room tonight thinking, yeah, I already know all this. I don't need to learn anything else about God's Word. I'm already, I've already arrived, but I doubt that's the case. My guess is each time you open God's Word, you learn something new and that tool goes in your toolkit. To me, that's what equipping looks like. The purpose of you being here at this event that I think used to be called Equip is that you would become equipped with tools to go and do things with. So there's a time where you are receiving a tool, you're putting it in your toolbox, but there's a time when you would get to training where you would take your tools out and you would actually use them. And I believe, brothers and sisters, this is the part that we have failed as a local church to do well. Not Rocky Creek specifically, but as a big church overall. We have failed to train people in what they're supposed to be doing with the tools in their toolkit. You don't go to Lowe's and buy a craftsman set of 150 pieces and say, I'm a mechanic. You're no more a mechanic than anybody else. You would hope that you would just be training alongside somebody. This idea of on-the-job training or side-by-side -side training has sort of gone out the window. And we think, oh, we just outsource that to videos. We'll just outsource that to flyers. We'll just outsource that to other institutions. Well, the local church is responsible for training. And so if you've got tools in your toolkit and you know how to use them, then you're responsible for training others with them. So what are you going to do with your tools? We get to a place like in Acts 8, like I said earlier, where this, this, this proclamation happens where Philip is proclaiming Christ in Samaria. We get to uh, Acts 16 and Paul and Silas are in prison and Paul's casting out a demon and in doing so, salvation comes in that place. Like the proclamation of the gospel is paramount in terms of mobilization of the local church. It doesn't stop there, brothers and sisters. 
it keeps going and it just keeps getting better. It's this idea of partnering. We think about partners and in the local church, in the early local church, they would have partners. And in some ways, I think they were thinking about the person beside them. They were thinking about their actual brother and sister. How can you and I, brother, go and do this together? You know, you think in Luke chapter 10, where they're sent out two by twos as partners in their mission, in their mobilization. You think of Luke chapter 10, which is uh, an amazing chapter if you go there. It's just this beautiful picture of going with somebody aside beside you, and I believe there's a, there's a comfort level that comes with that. But specifically to partnering, what I'm talking about is partnership that must be founded in a common desire to see the Great Commission commission advanced. It doesn't matter if you're talking about a, a person beside you being your partner. They would definitely need to fit this category. It could be a partnering organization like a Miracle Hill. It could be a partnering institution like a International Mission Board or North American Mission Board. If as a local church, our partnerships are not founded in the same vision of seeing the Great Commission advanced, then it's probably not a partnership founded in God's word. So we can think about partners of missions and missionaries, translators. Uh, we can think about, uh, like I said, Miracle Hills and these are types of organizations but we also have to think about this, that members, missionaries, fellow churches, and partner, partnering churches all play a part in seeing people come to Jesus. Many of you sitting here tonight are sitting here because a partner to the local church has you here, right? You're here. Miracle Hill has received you in in the name of Jesus, has invested in you in the name of Jesus so that you would become a new creation again and that you would be a better person when you leave their program. That's, that's really the vision and the heartbeat behind it. They want to see people come to Jesus. So that's why we would say, and we would wave the flag, that we're a partner, Rocky Creek is a partner with Miracle Hill. But not all partnerships are the same, and we must be careful about what we do with how we, do, how we distinguish partners and the church. While partnering organizations assist the local church significantly, they are the bridesmaid and not the bride. So Miracle Hill is not a church. Ephesians chapter 5 explicitly states that the bride of Christ is the church. So organizations, partners are simply the bridesmaid. They stand beside them in support of them, but that is not that does not put them in the place of the local church. And so that's why you come here to worship. That's why as, a, as, as an organization, that's why Miracle Hill pushes people into local churches because they know that they stand to the side of the local church. You know, it's been, it's been said, and, and I won't say who I heard say this, but I, I think it's a powerful point that um, if the local church we're doing what it was supposed to do. Parachurch organizations and other partners we know today would not be needed. If the church was doing its job, many of the organizations that are coming alongside the churches to support them wouldn't be needed. You think about that. There was a time in history when the church fed the hungry, 
when the church met the attic where he was. There was a time in, in history where, where the pastor wasn't in his office behind the scenes all the time. He was in the hospitals, on the forefront, on the deathbeds of, of, of people, where people were. He was, he was with the hungry. He was with the hurting. As things have changed, we have shifted from the focus of the local church leading out to other organizations, and we've just sort of pushed this out to them. The hard work that a miracle heal or, or other organizations do is vitally important for the kingdom, but they will never be the church. And we must be clear what our partners look like. Doesn't stop there. It goes on. The fifth piece is purpose. Our purpose is founded, like I said, in creation, fall, rescue, and restoration. All missions, efforts, partnerships, and pursuits should seek to declare God's glory as a part of God's mission in light of God's word. And if their purpose is anchored in anything else, then it falls short of the calling for mobilization. We don't want to be a part of anything that brings glory to us. We don't want to be a part of anything that deviates from God's truth and God's word. We don't want to be a part of anything that is not consistent with God's mission of bringing people to a saving faith in Him. And when anchored in these truths, the purpose of the local church will align with God's purpose. This is really, as I said early on, this is really the heartbeat of the, of the early church in Acts. They were doing things that aligned with Acts 1.8. They were doing things that aligned with Matthew 28.18-20. They were doing things that accomplished that mission. And that mission, I don't, I don't want to go a moment in a mobilization time without mentioning what the Great Commission is. And so Matthew 28, 18 through 20 says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore. And oftentimes we think that the go here is the important part. And while mobilization is super important, the go here is assumed. In the, in the original language, it's assuming that you're going. Okay? So this as you go is really how this is playing out. And it says, Make disciples. Not converts, disciples. Where? All the nations. What are you going to do with them? We're going to baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And then we got a responsibility to teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So missions mobilization isn't something that we have to come up, to, uh, come up with or come, come to the conversation with on our own. Like I said, while the local church is, is definitely the, the, the instrument that God is using to press forward in terms of mobilization, we find this last little piece of the Great Commission so comforting that as we advance and as we go and as we mobilize, Jesus is with us. If that doesn't bring you comfort, then I don't know what will. This is all pushing forward towards a day where we see a Revelation 7-9 moment where every nation, every tribe, every people are surrounded, surrounding the throne. That's what we're looking forward to, and that's where this is going. And so as we sort of wind our time, I want to talk about some specifics. And maybe you came tonight looking for specifics. 
And as you're going to see, I'm not going to give you any specifics. I'm going to give you very general categories because I believe that mobilization isn't done prescriptively. I think it's done inspired by the Spirit. And so for me to say, here's 25 ways you could be mobilized today, I think it's going to fall short of what God is leading you to do alongside the local church. Okay, so here's here's some ways that we can do this together. The role of local church is to provide practical avenues for individual participation in missions engagement. Okay, so here's what that says is as a local church, we're responsible for providing avenue ways that you can be mobilized and taking the gospel and pressing the mission forward. Yet, you are also responsible for embracing those things and saying, I will take the personal responsibility and I'm going to do something with it, right? So it's one thing for us to say, here's 10 options. It's another thing for you to say, here's mine, okay? So at the end of the day, we want as a church to provide practical opportunities, but we also want people to take personal responsibility for kingdom activity. And here's the first one. It's where we started. We're coming back to it. We're going to pray. We're not just going to talk about it. Have you ever had somebody say, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're just prayer walking. Are you just walking or are you actually praying? Now, there's a time where prayer walking is, is definitely a, a, a realistic thing that we can do. But what I want to point out is oftentimes we just hide behind these words that we think people understand. Like I have an unspoken prayer request. What does that mean? You think that we don't care about what you're praying for? No, we want to know. We want to pray for those things. So when we talk about prayer, it's not unspoken. We want to speak it. When we talk about prayer, we want this integral piece of the missions mobilization to be founded in a desire to see what seems impossible to be accomplished by the Spirit. Pray for things that you think you will never see happen. Pray for people that you think will never come to Jesus. Pray for your soul that you know that's in your life, that's persecuting you and tormenting you in every way. The person that's just a drag in your life, you best be praying for them, but you also best be praying for a place in eastern China where the gospel has never been before. Throughout the history of mankind, it's never been, no one has ever heard it, but if you're not praying for it, how will they ever, ever hear it? How is it even possible? Now, sure, God can move, but he's asking for you to intercede on their behalf. get to this piece giving <clears throat> sacrificial giving is about more than writing checks while some can financially support missions others have time talents and experience to give to the cause brothers and sisters oftentimes when we hear this word give the next thing that comes across is an offering plate and i really want you to hear and hear it clearly that you got a lot more to give than money you got experience, you got hurt, you've got trials, you've got joy to share, you've got a good story to tell, you've got the, 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 the history that you have been given, but you also have the good news. And if you have the good news, then you best be ready to give it to somebody. Missions needs people like you who have talents and experiences, and giftings. We need these things. We must have these things. Sure, some people will write checks, 
but more people will do other things in this category of giving. Give yourself until you have nothing left to give and then fall into the arms of the Father. There's this element here of going. This is the actual part where you might go from point A to point B. We might put you on mission like we did over the last uh, five days of Go Greenville. We might ask you to go and to love your neighbor and to share the gospel. We might ask you to go into your community and knock on doors. We might ask you to go to another state in the name of Jesus. We might even ask you to get on an airplane, go to the other side of the world and open your mouth to tell somebody about this man named Jesus. But the question isn't, Really, will you go? The question is, has God called you to go and will you be obedient to His calling? Well, we just read the Great Commission. So anything else is not the Great Commission. It would be the Great Omission where we just decide, God, well, I know that you've called me to do it. I'm just not willing to do it. Whether through local, national, or international mission service, some are led to engage darkness on the front lines. Now, all of us are called to be ambassadors for Christ. I won't give any excuse to anyone in this room on why you can't share the gospel if you have the gospel yourself. But I will say this, that some are far more gifted in sharing the gospel than others. But that doesn't mean that you don't get to open your mouth. That doesn't mean that you get to hide behind the scenes. Right? A church is built of different parts. One body, different parts. Some of you guys need to be a foot, not a mouth. Some of you need to be a hand and not an ear. But God's called you to do something and you've got to be willing to embrace what He's called you to do and be obedient to that calling. And the last piece is this. No. Missions knowledge is often overlooked as a practical way to engage in missions activity. Yet it is, necessar- it is a necessary piece of the plan. What do I pray for? You don't know because you haven't been studying. What, who, who, who doesn't have the gospel? Well, pay attention. Go read a book. Listen to a podcast. There's so many resources out there about people groups. There's so many resources about the Khoisan people in southern Angola that you can pray for every single day. Yet your your non-desire is really at the heartbeat of all of this. If we don't have a desire to, to advance, to be mobilized, to care about these things, then how can we ever expect to do so? Knowledge, in my opinion, is one of the easiest pieces of this. But if you want to pray and you want to give and you want to go, you better start studying now. You don't have to be the smartest person. You just got to care a little bit. You don't have to know everything, but you might need to know something. God's up to something. He's working around the world right now. He's using big events around the world to call people to Himself. So you look at, you look at the TV and you see war and you see murder trials, and you see hurting people, and you see all these events that are happening. It's knowledge, but it's also an opportunity for you to pray. Might be an opportunity for you to give something. Probably an opportunity for you to go. The question is, will you do it? Let's pray. Father, we just thank you to be able to open your word, expose these truths that are within it, and seek opportunities to dive in in such a way that we would bring honor and glory to you father 
Lord, we know that missions exist because worship does not, and we want to see people worshiping you around your throne in such a day where you are receiving all the honor and all the glory that you seek in your creation. But Father, will we just be obedient to the path that you have put us on? While some will pray, some will give, and some will go, and some will know, Father, we just ask that you would tenderize our hearts in such a way that we would be obedient to the Spirit. Father, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Entrust Podcast. Make sure to check out rockycreek.church for complete notes and additional resources. You can also subscribe to this podcast. We hope that you take what has been entrusted to you here and give it to another.